1: Back here on Sportsnet 960. Sportsnet today, Logan Gordon along with you. Cam and Taylor in the other room, our outstanding production team here on the program. Been a busy hour, one, chat with Peter Labardius, all things flames and blues. Kept it going with some text line opinions at 960 960. Flames fans with lots to talk about following another loss in overtime, 4 3 to the Blues. They're back at it again in St. Louis tomorrow night on another Flames game day. We'll, of course, bring you all the coverage right here on your home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960. Uh, But very excited now to kick off hour two with something that uh, I've had in the works for a little while here. Uh, If you've listened to Sportsnet 960 for uh, any period of time over the last couple of years, it'll be a familiar voice. Uh, On the other end here, Uh, this is somebody that's worked at the station for a very long time. Uh, Someone that I was lucky enough to work with for a lot of my years here at Sportsnet 960. And uh, is still around the sporting world now. Still covering around the Flames. uh, Doing different stuff on the Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Flames post-game shows. All that sort of stuff. He's got his own podcast now. Uh, and I'm very excited to uh, to bring him back on as a guest here on Sportsnet 960. Uh, down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline we go and we welcome in this afternoon, uh, Peter Klein, primetime is back on the 960 airwaves. Uh, PK, how are you, man? I'm good. Uh, Admittedly, that, that was not a phone number I was expecting to see on my phone ever again uh, after a <laughs> couple of years ago, but uh,
0: happy to have the invite back. A little nervous because uh, a lot of the stuff that you said I've been doing now, I'm allowed to swear on those, uh, so I'm gonna have to gonna have to remember what it's like to be a professional for the next few
1: minutes. Here. Yeah, no kidding. Well, I appreciate it, man. Uh, I always enjoyed working with you. I'm so glad we get a chance to uh, to do this again. And uh, in case people have missed it, some of those things that I've talked about, uh, let us know what you've been doing. I know you've been doing stuff at, at Daily Hive. We got our man Vickers who does that stuff too. You've been doing uh, some Steve Dangle uh, podcast network stuff, Couch, the Couch Potato Diary podcast. What's, what's been going on? You've kept yourself pretty busy the last little while here.
0: Yeah, just slowly chipping away at building a media empire, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I have um, a podcast called Couch Potato Diary. Uh, it comes out three times a week usually. Um, it's available Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, lucky enough to, to be with uh, the Steve Dangle Podcast Network, like you said, with Game Over Calvary. We do that after every Flames game It's on the, the SCP and YouTube channel and then available as a, a podcast after. It's been so much fun. That's one of the things I missed after uh, a couple of years ago, um, not really interacting with Flames fans quite as much. It, it's funny how easily things just move on after those sorts of things happen. But uh, being able to, to chat with people again has been a, a lot of fun and getting that, that instant feedback and that, Fun back and forth has been uh, a lot of fun to, to be able to do that and yeah doing uh daily hive which um had a few people say that it was a, a bit of a, a fit they weren't necessarily expecting but i mean we, we do cover hard news stuff over there when um when it permits but uh, a lot of the stories that i get to do are the stories that i had a lot of fun doing kind of the more offbeat things at the the radio station formerly known as 660. so yeah just kind of slowly chipping away at, uh, at a few things it's been a, a lot of fun to kind of have that that creative freedom and also, while not career-oriented, I know I talked uh, a lot about mental health on these particular airwaves. And um, the, the main thing for me personally that I've had going on, my, my last session with a, a counselor was back in October. And she, we kind of just sat there for about 15 minutes, just kind of like, um, oh, I almost swore there, uh, just, kind <laughs> of, um, just kind of um, BSing around. And uh, she said, you know, we really don't have to do these anymore, hey? So that was... Um, that was a goal that I didn't know I could get to or didn't know I had, but I did. So that, that's kind of the biggest accomplishment. So yeah, just kind of slowly chipping away at things out here.
1: That's awesome to hear, man. I've, I've loved, I've followed along with couch potato diaries. Uh, I think since its inception, I I love, I still love hearing your sports takes and I'm so glad uh, again, that we have a chance to do this again on the 960 airwave airwaves so that people can, can hear what you're doing and keep up with what's going on with you and, uh, uh, obviously, the big thing you're doing that relates here with the Sportsnet is obviously the post game stuff for the Flames. You're still up to date on everything that's going on around the team. And uh, another tough loss last night. That's where we'll start with you, PK. What have you made so far? We're 42 games in to the Calgary Flames season. What's kind of struck you about this group that's undergone some major changes over the last year?
0: Yeah, no kidding, hey? Um, (laughs) Team looks a lot different than the last time I was talking about them on here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So, Which just quick aside, and I told you before I'm going to ramble, I'm I'm not used to time constraints now, so a bit of a ramble. Um, The last Flames game that I covered for 960 was Flames against the Sens in the All-Canadian division, and it was like the worst hockey game I've seen in my entire lifetime. I was like, you guys couldn't have done this before this game, huh? (laughs) Um, but um, but no, from a Flames perspective, I just, I keep waiting for there to be a second gear, right? Like it, it still looks like it should be like 10, 15 games into the season. It, it just, when you watch a Flames game, your takeaway is kind of, oh, well, it's early, they're coming together. And then you look at the standings and you look at the calendar. and Well, it's every bit of uh, January 11th now. And like you said, 42 games into the season, which is officially past the halfway point. We're running out of time for this thing to just be like, hey, can you guys figure this out? Um, so it, it's been incredibly frustrating to watch. I think there are a lot of players that have been put in roles where they don't necessarily fit. Um, and, and it's just, y- you keep wanting more from, from this team. And at some point, maybe it's, it's on us to stop expecting more, but that this was not supposed to be the feeling on this team 42 games into the year.
1: All of that being said, and it's something that I've talked about today and, uh, and I'll continue to, to try to point through is we say all of that and it has been frustrating. They're still in a wild card spot. They're in the first wild card spot. And that's an interesting spot to be because you know as well as anybody, PK, the, the playoffs aren't always a guarantee here in Calgary. And even back-to-back playoff years are something that this team's struggled to achieve at times. What's gone right for this team when they've been good in your mind?
0: I think the the main thing like Nazem Kadri has been phenomenal. Um, he, he has been the main thing. Um, it's it's going to be weird to point to goaltending, but it does seem to correlate when the goaltending is good, the team is good. And one, one thing that I don't think gets brought up enough because we kind of take it for granted that the steadying forces this year at forward and on the blue line with, with Backland, who is just a star maker, anyone you put with him. Seems to to start to get going. Mangiapane was struggling a little bit. Ah, put him with Backlund. Huberto struggling at the beginning of the year. Put him with Backlund. Dubay, Backlund, and everything seems to to work out. And then the same thing goes on the blue line with uh, with Tanev, who anyone you put with him, all of a sudden turns in turns into a, a bona fide top four defenseman. And so those kind of steadying forces when the the waves can get a little bit rocky throughout the season, as I mean. When you ride the highs and lows of the 82-game schedule as as we do in the media and as all the fans listening do, it, it can be nice to have those kind of constants. And I think Backlund and Tanout have, have certainly been those and are a key reason why the planes are, like you said, um, as, as frustrating as it's been, um, certainly not as frustrating as times in the past. I remember doing the 20-minute segment. You know, they really can't afford to lose Yanni RTO1 waivers. So <laughs> there, yeah. there, there have been some dark times here for sure, but um, to, to, to have this level of consistency from guys at forward and on the blue line is really, really reassuring.
1: Uh, it's the easy one to say. You mentioned Nazim Kadri. He's been great. He's fit like a glove on this team. Uh, give me your, give us the latest uh, on your thoughts about the the big duo that's come in on Mackenzie Weegar and, and Jonathan Huberto. Your thoughts on how those two have fit in Flames colors so far?
0: Well, Huberto has obviously been a little bit disappointing, and I think it is going to come around. Like at the the first part of the year, the, the best way to put it is you could kind of watch him think right. And this is a sport, especially in 2023 where it moves so fast that you really, you don't have time to think you kind of have to just react to everything. And you can see Huberto being like, should I make this pass? I should make this pass. And then that pass is gone because defensemen in, in 2023 are faster than they've ever been. And so, um, he, he's starting to react a little bit more. and He's starting to become a bit more comfortable. And some of those indecision type plays aren't happening as much. They still are happening when it comes to whether he should shoot or not, which I'm sure has been discussed many a time on, on this radio station and in any conversation about him. But you're starting to see the high hockey IQ, the awareness that he has, the playmaking ability that when he is on is second to none you're starting to see some signs of that. So I, I do think it is coming around. Um, I, I don't know if Milan Lucic is the one to really unlock the, the full length of his potential necessarily, but that, that seems to be working for the last couple of games. So I think Joubert is going to be fine. For Uyghur, man, I, I think we are just scratching the surface. I, I think his skating ability um, and his offensive instincts, I, I think he has a chance to be a really, really good two-way defenseman in this league. Um, in, in his own end, You don't seem to notice him get his head caved in too much, which is is nice. I think there is kind of this stereotype around um, agile, well, uh, good skating defensemen that they must automatically kind of suck in their own end. And while there's room for improvement, I don't necessarily think that's the case with him. And I think offensively, he is just so skilled with the puck. He can skate so well. That he becomes a, a real weapon and kind of going back to what you asked earlier about when things are going well what does it look like uh, i think a lot of it is getting the the guys on the blue line activated in the offensive side of things we, we've seen zadorov turn into bob yor for a couple of shifts we, we've seen um we, we've seen Uyghur do some fun things Hannafin on the goal last night is down below the red line, pinching in. I think when this blue line gets activated in the offensive side of things, that they, they start to unlock another level of potential and Uyghur, I think is just scratching the surface. I think he is going to be really, really good and going to be one of those types of players that you see that name on the back of jerseys at the dome for, for many years to come.
1: So with Peter Klein here on sports at nine sixty, uh, getting, you know, some reaction flame season as a whole, getting set for Thursday night again in St. Louis, uh, interesting spot now for the team pete because we've we've talked so much on here, and I'm sure you guys have talked on, on post game stuff about what does this team need what what's is it a defenseman is it a top six forward is it all of the above when you get that question and and you think about it, where do you go uh to me the,
0: the biggest need is the the forward position um mm. I think that they are a couple of forwards away i think Probably just one forward away, ideally two, to to really kind of round out what this roster really can be like. I think on on the blue line, when you start to see a couple of defensemen get injured, then it it really starts to show that there are some kind of cracks in the foundation. But I think that they are serviceable to a point where that's not necessarily a direct need. But I I think if you could have kind of one more top nine guy and then another forward to to maybe round things out, um, I think that would be that that would really, really help this team kind of get to where I think a lot of people want them to get to.
1: Did you ever think we'd be at a point where we're going, man, this team really misses Oliver Shillington?
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, I remember, um, when, when we were doing the shows uh, a couple of years ago, I was ready to like, I was going to drive him to the airport. <laughs> I, I was ready for, for him to move on. I just, I just didn't think he was going to have it. And then boy, did he, And now, um, hopefully, whatever he is working his way through is is going well for him. But no, you're right. Like, that is such a noticeable hole on this blue line because it it kind of, like, I know, um, at least when I was working there, I'm sure it's come up since, but Lou always talks about slotting and where guys slot in. And if Shillington were there, doesn't everyone just kind of lot better like stone Mm -hmm. bless his heart and man he has been like he has given you everything you could possibly ask for him he he has been i think the best version of michael stone but at the same time relying on that um gets a little bit wonky at times i think he would benefit as well from a couple of games in the press box a couple of games back on the ice and just being able to, to kind of rotate it and having shillington again that mobile defenseman which is so important in this league this year. Um having someone like a showington would just help so, so much. I, I agree with you. Yeah. And that is a complete one eighty from probably the last time I was on the station and my, my thoughts on Shellington. Uh
1: as we get closer to the trade deadline here, do you not so much names or, or positions. We've talked about that a bit here, but I'm curious if you feel like the GM has a choice in the matter when it comes to acquiring somebody and I say that a you know look he's he's in a contract year we know all about that but it kind of feels like given what happened in the offseason PK given the expectations that this group has it feels like that decision was made regardless of where they were going to be come trade deadline time and look they're still in a we've mentioned it before they're in a wild card spot Teams in wildcard spots buy all the time at trade deadline, but it kind of feels like, look, that's the decision. That's the road they made and the decision they made going back to the summer when they got NHL talent back for Matthew Kachuk.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, they, if, if they were going to rebuild, they, they could have got a prospect and pick package back for Matthew Kachuk um, and, and really start to, to tear this thing down. And instead, like you said, they do go kind of the, the win now route. And I, I think you have to kind of continue on that path. The, the cap space is a little limiting when it comes to that, but for for Brad Tree Living, um, like the, his, his job is probably on the line here as, as well as we all thought he did at the um in the off season his job's on the line here and it, we were kind of talking about it the the other night on on game over like are we comfortable with this flames team trading a first round pick given that yes they are in a playoff spot but not comfortably um and you kind of have to and for true living it's kind of screw it i'm gonna not be working here next year if we don't make the playoffs anyway so mm. let's go for it um but no i i think that first round pick has to be in play uh, i think that you do have to be looking at ways to, to make this team better. You, you, don't, um, you don't go out and acquire the players that you did with Huberto and then sign them to the extensions that you did. That's the other thing. If Huberto were still here on just like a one-year contract, then maybe this conversation, again, is a little bit different. But you are locked into these guys for a while um, so I think you kind of have to, to go for it and also like the, the teams that are committed to tanking this year are really committed to tanking this year and so I, I think if you went the blow it up route it's almost too late now like the, the Flames are at 47 points I cannot in all good consciousness tell you that Anaheim is going to get to 47 points <laughs> this year season so like I like they've, they've already might be mathematically eliminated from the Conor Bernard sweepstakes and lottery picks can happen and, and ping pong balls can bounce your way mm-hmm. but um I think you are pretty much pot committed at this point to to making a push and like you said they are in a playoff spot right now you look at the teams ahead of them in the pacific division it's it's five and seven points ahead but if Seattle or LA had a, a stretch where they lost like eight of ten I don't think anyone is going to be overly surprised by that. I wouldn't bank on it, but if one of those teams fell off and the Flames were able to leapfrog them, that that wouldn't be the most shocking result of 2023.
1: Uh, Last one on the Flames before we move on to a couple of other interesting things here. Uh, The criticism around Daryl Sutter uh, has been hot and heavy this year, especially when it comes to his usage of guys like Matthew Phillips potentially Jacob Pelche as he just got the call up. What have you made of the, the coach behind the bench this year for the Flames and his usage of some of the new guys and how he's fit in with the, a new roster pretty much?
0: Yeah, I um, frustration would be a, a word for it. I, and it starts at the beginning of the year after that loss to Edmonton um, where all the lines were changed. And when we talked before about how this team has had a lot of changes in the past, I didn't think this was a group that could be tinkered with right now um, or at that time. I thought that that was the time for things to come together. If you wanted to, to mess around with line combinations, um, I, I think that time would have been during the, the preseason when, when you wanted to, to kind of try some things out. And so I thought that kind of set things back a little bit. And they've, they, they have overcome that. But like you said, like Matthew Phillips um, – hmm maybe he's not a perfect fit and maybe he's not ready for the national hockey league, but boy, it'd be nice to actually find out. And um, with Elche, I don't know what the hesitation is. And the frustrating thing is every time they bring a kid in, it seems to work like Rizicka last year. And then coming into this year was a godsend for the bottom six. And same thing with Zahorna. I love the way he has played so far. And so you have two proofs of concept and sure. Not every young player is the same, but you have two proofs of concept. Why? Why are we assuming that those two kids are the only kids in the entire organization who can get called up? Well, when you have a, a Matthew Phillips who still leads the league and uh, leads the American League in scoring, um, I, I, I just I don't get how you can see, a, how other young kids have contributed, b, how well Phillips has played at the the, the level directly below yours. Uh, And then thought, ah, well, that's probably not going to to work out. And if if it's not like that, that needs to be a real honest conversation between for living, um, maybe even ownership, just depending on on how important you think Phillips is and Daryl Sutter, because if he is just flat out not comfortable playing this kid, then trade him. That, that is an excellent trade chip for the, the Flames to have. And, look, I like him. I would prefer to see him on the Flames. And I think if they did move them, they would pay for it dearly um, in having to watch that kid perform for the next 10 years. So I think he's going to be really good. But if you don't think that he is a fit for your organization, his value is never going to be higher, if you want to have a, a trade ship that can put you over the top in, in talks for uh, Timo Meyer or someone like that, that, that might be the, the way you have to go.
1: Uh, before we let you go here, uh, PK, got to ask you about this because uh, I remember uh, many a days spent on the board here at 960, and there would be weekend days when I would play a a, a pre recorded show, sometimes a live show called Combat Central here, uh, all things you know, MMA, world wrestling, all that with you and our pal G Rana uh, here on these uh, you know airwaves. And look, I've uh, uh, I've always enjoyed them, and I, I've never I was a big wrestling guy, as you know. I, I haven't been as much lately, but man perfect timing to bring you on with all the news that's come down in the last 24 hours surrounding you know the wwe this potential sale to the saudi you know investment fund all of this that's going down stephanie mcmahon is is you know walking away from the company what have you what's gone through your mind the last 24 hours in this massive cycle of news that's not really official by anybody
0: been the weirdest part it's just it it turned into this wild echo chamber and uh look if if we were still doing combat central um i I may not be with the company afterward anyway because there's no way g and i would have gone through that whole episode without swearing um (laughs) this was this was the weirdest night on on wrestling twitter maybe ever um you you have first the news coming out and it's almost unfortunate that um that this whole thing came out and To me, it's so unfortunate that it seems strategic that the the news comes out that Vince McMahon has been voted the executive chairman of the board again. And Stephanie McMahon is not only uh, just kind of stepping down, but full on resigning from a company she's been a part of since she was like five years old. Um, So now you have Vince McMahon, executive chairman of the board of a company that is investigating him for different, we'll politely say, misconducts. Um, that involved hush money that either he or uh, that he used either personal or company money for. So now he's back. And then you get this report that, he, uh, that they're selling to the, the folks in Saudi Arabia, which unlocks a, a whole other situation and probably lets you know where the public perception of Vince Man is, that so many people thought, oh, yeah, he totally oust his daughter and then sell it to Saudi Arabia. Um, that, that totally seems like a thing he would do. That, that shows you the type of character that everyone thinks he has right now. Um, Eventually cooler heads have prevailed. This company is going to get sold, and it still might be to those people out in Saudi Arabia. But um, this was a a nice reminder of what social media can be and the the wrestling bubble we can get caught up in. Because it's one thing for a, a dude on Reddit to be right about Cody Rhodes going from AEW to the WWE. It's another thing to be right about a publicly traded billion dollar company being sold to basically a country um so it it was just it was a very weird situation it was a very trying situation and like 2022 was one of the weirdest years in pro wrestling ever and we are 11 days into 2023 and we've already talked it it was uh unfortunate unfortunate day that definitely tested a lot of people's fandom of uh, world wrestling entertainment
1: Klein, thanks so much for doing this man i really do appreciate it uh you you've always had my respect you're a great friend of mine and i'm uh, so glad we get to do this again. Thank you for coming on today. I know we're going to do it again on a more regular basis, but uh, thanks for doing this today, man. Looking forward to uh, to chatting with you again soon.
0: Yeah, hey, thank you for uh, thank you for asking. I um, I wasn't sure where I stood over here, and that was uh, a very nice text to receive. Um, and likewise to you, I'm so happy at the opportunities you have now uh, at 960. It is a very long time coming, and uh, happy to do this anytime.
1: Take care, PK. We'll talk to you soon, pal. You too, buddy. Cheers. Thanks. Peter Klein, uh, you know him, uh, you love him from his time here at Sports Fit 960. Now a staff writer at Daily Hive, uh, host of uh, co-host of Game Over Calgary on the Steve Dangle uh, Podcast Network. He's got his own podcast, the uh, Couch Potato Diary. You can find it wherever you get your podcast. He joins us down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. You want to find Klein, he's still on Twitter, uh, still verified somehow. Uh, he's at Klein on Twitter. He's got his Twitter account, guys, but uh, somehow we don't have ours typical. That's just how it goes around here. Must be nice. Must be nice to have your own Twitter account. We'll see if we can uh, find a way to get ours back, but really stoked. Uh, I know a bunch of people on the text line put it in. Uh, so glad we could get PK back on the airwaves. If you want to follow him, see what he's doing uh, in his life, still very much around the sporting world. Like I said, hit him up on Twitter at prime time I'll uh, we'll take a break. Come back on the other side. We'll end off our two with a chat with the Calgary Hitman general manager, Jeff Chanel's going to join us WHL trade deadline has come and gone. His team's in an interesting spot in the Eastern Conference going forward. They made a trade on trade deadline day. Lots to get uh, caught up with uh, around the Calgary Hitman. We'll do that next You're on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
0: You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: This is Hour 2, Sportsnet Today on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Quick reminder, you can get us wherever you get your podcasts. Google, Amazon, Spotify, your favorite podcatcher, or visit us on the website at sportsnet.ca slash 960. On the show today, we've already had Peter Labardius, Peter Klein joined us as well. Excited about uh, having them back on the program. Peter uh, Labartius joins us every day to kick off the program. And a quick reminder that on Fridays, for our friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse, we do What Does Lou Say? Very easy contest. Very outstanding rewards for said contest. All you have to do, head to the website, sportsnet.ca slash 960. Go to the contest tab. You'll see a picture, a fancy little graphic. What does Lou say? You click on that. Ask Lou a question. Ask him your burning flames question, NHL, whatever really that you want to ask Lou. And if we answer it on a Friday, you win $200 to Bruce Chris Steakhouse in the form of a gift card and a pair of lower bowl seats to an upcoming Flames game. We do this literally... Every single Friday here on the program, don't miss it. It's the best way for you to get tickets, a great gift card to go visit our friends at Roose Chris Steakhouse, enjoy some fantastic food maybe before you head back uh, over to the Saddledome and get set for your your uh, game that you want tickets to in the Lower Bowl and enjoy uh, the Flames and uh, Roos Chris Steakhouse. And that uh, every single week, what does Lou say? Uh, is brought to you by our friends at Roos Chris Steakhouse. Um, now open Tuesday to Sunday at 5 p.m. They're the perfect place to indulge before the game. Enjoy prime steak, broiled to perfection, and serve sizzling on a 500-degree plate. Uh, hoping to connect with Hitman General Manager Jeff Chanel coming up in the next little bit here. The Calgary Hitman, 37 games into their season, find themselves fifth in the Eastern Conference. The WHL's trade deadline has come and gone. The Hitmen are back in action on Friday at the Scotiabank Saddledome. They will welcome in the Swift Current Broncos. Then uh, Sunday as well, they'll take on Lethbridge. So a couple chances for you to see the Hitmen at the Dome this weekend while the Flames are off on their five-game road trip. So we'll connect uh, with Jeff Chanel. Coming up in just a couple moments here, see how he's feeling about his team 37 games in. Talk about the trade they made with Prince George. That sent Zach Funk uh, to the Cougars. A couple of really interesting stats when it comes to special teams around the Calgary Hitman. Uh, the junior hockey scene buzzing here in Calgary. And uh, a quick reminder, too, that they will be at the saddle The Dome's going to be busy this weekend. Friday, Hitman are in town against Swift Current. Saturday, it's another Roughnecks home game day. Uh, we'll chat some Roughnecks a little bit later on in the week. And then Sunday, Hitman again. They'll welcome in Lethbridge and uh, the Hurricanes. So looking forward to it. Uh, lots of Hitman talk coming up here on uh, Sportsnet 960. The Fan. Uh, we'll do this while we uh, try to connect with the Hitman General Manager. We'll head back to St. Louis from last night. The Flames falling to the Blues four three in overtime. Let's check in with Nazem Khadri. Uh after the Flames fell to the Blues. He spoke to the media post game in St. Louis well i mean we kind of spoke about this in in chicago in terms of you get the point but uh, Mm -hmm. i don't know what the feeling is after uh, a game like this where you have a lead in the third
2: yeah it it obviously sucks that's not the way we wanted to, to end the game to be quite honest i think we uh you know played a pretty pretty solid road game had a lapse of five minutes and you know the good players don't need many chances to score and they made us pay so um Gotta, gotta gotta learn from it
1: i mean did you like the way though that you know they scored two in 28 seconds but the way you kind of combo the waters there as that third went on uh yeah
2: i mean ideally you know you you have a two goal lead in the third period i think you, you should win the game but um like i said i don't think we gave up a whole lot you know they got some great players over there that take advantage of opportunities and um you know played 55 good minutes tonight and not enough for 60.
1: Team has gone to overtime a lot this season, and obviously that means you guys have got picked up a lot of points mm-hmm. there. But you know the record when you when it gets to three and three hasn't been great. Any sense of sense of why it's just not going your way there?
2: Yeah, uh, it's uh, challenging for us it seems. But uh you know I think that can be a little deceiving as well. You know we've uh, allowed a few power play goals in, in overtime, and you know that certainly doesn't uh you know help the help the stats. So. Um, you know, for us, it's trying to close the game before overtime. Obviously, it goes to overtime. It's anyone's game, three-on-three, three. and uh, you know we, we got to do a better job before that.
1: That is Flames forward Nazem Kadri. He was speaking to the media post-game following the Flames' 4-3 loss in overtime to the Blues. This is Sportsnet Today. It's Logan Gordon along with you, uh, switching our view over to the Calgary Hitmen. They're in action Friday and Sunday at the Scotiabank Saddle Dome. The trade deadline has come and gone in a perfect time Uh, to go down the Atlas Beats and Sports Bar guest hotline and check in with the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen this afternoon. We say hi to uh, Jeff Schnauth this afternoon. Jeff, how are you, sir?
3: I'm doing well, Logan. Thanks for having me.
1: Thanks for uh, coming on. Appreciate it, Jeff. Uh, Trade deadline has come and gone for your team. You're 37 games into the season, fifth in the Eastern Conference. Uh, As you look at your team, 37 games in, Jeff, uh, what do you like from your group so far?
3: Well, I think we're a very resilient group. Uh, That's a credit to the coaching staff. Uh, You know, we've had a few stinkers like every team does through the course of a season. And what I've really liked is we usually respond really positively the next game. And uh, I think that's a credit to not only the uh, coaching staff, as I alluded to, but also the leadership of this group that, uh, you know, they don't want to happen what happened last season where, you know, our second half of the year – you know we did not play as well and ultimately missed the playoffs and i think that's hasn't sat well with the this the majority of this group because there are returning players and i think it's uh you know bolds well as we you know get into the final 31 games
1: uh so 31 games left we talked about the good there what about the other side what would you have liked to have seen more of from your team in these first 37 games jeff
3: Well, Logan, I think the biggest thing is you know specialty teams are such an important thing at any level of hockey nowadays because goals Mm -hmm. are tough to come by, and I think our power play is one area that we you know we have to work on. I know the coaches are working you know tirelessly to try to come up with some different not solutions but different uh, remedies to it. And uh, you know I think our penalty killing is uh, is outstanding, number one in the Western Hockey League, but our power play is near the bottom, and that's something that uh, you know I think is going to be more magnified as we get into the final two and a half months of the season.
1: Uh trade deadline was Tuesday. Uh one transaction for your group. I'll ask you about the specifics of it uh in just a moment here. But uh compared to other trade deadlines, Jeff, how busy was your uh, your phone the last couple of days?
3: Well it was fairly busy. I mean I think the biggest thing, Logan, is is that it's the uh the prices were as high as they've ever been. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I've been in the league 36 years and I've never seen anything like it. And, uh, you know, it just seemed to get higher and higher after the uh, Kamloops and uh, Everett trade and then the Winnipeg and Vancouver trades that were announced on Sunday. And I just uh, again, there was there was some prices there that for a long time general manager like myself, I had to sit back and go, wow. But, uh, you know, from our organization, we didn't, uh, you know, we didn't plan to do too, too much. And we were fortunate to make a deal with uh, Prince George yesterday. And I think, it's a, I think it's a deal that works out well for both teams.
1: Talk to us about that deal. You send Zach Funk to Prince George uh, in exchange for Carter McAdams and a, a number of draft picks in the WHL Prospects draft. Uh, the thought process for your group uh, in making this deal, Jeff?
3: Well, I think that uh, to give up a player like Zach Funk, he's kind of a rarity in today's game. He has an an edgy side to his game. He's got lots of skill as well. So there's not a lot of those type of players left anymore. And, uh, you know, I think Prince George really coveted him. And uh, for us, we needed to get a player back. And, uh, you know, ideally, you know, you, you, you know, players like Zach Funk, as I said, are tough to come by. We wanted to get a, a you know a player back and a younger player. So uh, an O four is an O four forward, and Carter McAdams. Uh, we just think it's a, you know big body coming back, lots of potential and uh, in, a, in an age group the 2004 group that uh, we are maybe a little weak up front and and i think that uh you know you can never have enough depth in any age group i just think it uh, you know gives us more opportunities and more flexibility for the coaching staff uh, to use uh you know to to utilize the players in different roles
1: you mentioned those massive trades that got done in the whl over the last couple of days here and i'm curious From your perspective, I've chatted with a couple of guys around the league since that's happened. And Jeff, that's really been something that we've seen, you know, the junior leagues in the eastern half of Canada get more into than the WHL. The WHL traditionally hasn't seen those kind of massive deals where you're seeing multiple first rounders, three or four players and, you know, in excess of five plus draft picks. What do you think has led to the WHL now getting on board with some of that?
3: well I think a lot of it is is that we changed our trade, uh, trade rules in 2018 where we adjusted some of the rules that we could do and I think that's the main reason uh, you're going to see the higher prices uh, it is also tough to trade players nowadays because you know most 17 uh, year old players you know have no trade clauses and uh, you know in their contract which is a standard uh, standard clause and when you're signing these players at 15 that a lot of them you know are happy with where they are I mean whether it be they're in grade twelve in their school, uh, their you know the the environment, they might have family in the city. There's a number of factors that go into it, and I just think that you know, so it's so tough to get actual players. That's why the, you see the increase in in the actual draft picks.
1: Uh, a couple of individual players I, I wanted to ask you about here, Jeff, that are having outstanding years for your team, and I wanted to start with Graydon Seepman, uh, 31 points in 36 games. It's a career year for him. He just looks like he's taken massive strides this year in a number of different areas. But he just looks to me when I watch him like such a confident young man this season. Would you agree with that?
3: I couldn't agree more with you, Logan. I, I, I look at the, uh, you know, I think uh, Graydon had a good year last year for us, and unfortunately he didn't get drafted, and I think it left a sour taste in his mouth. And I think he he worked so hard over the summer, and he's come back. And not that you know every player changes and, you know as they mature and mm-hmm. you know get older. That's just the maturation of any junior hockey player from the time you draft them 15 to the time a lot of them leave at 20. So you see a lot of improvement. And I I think Graydon you know just went through the summer and I mean worked extra hard and he's taken that hard work. He's come back and I mean he, he's had a phenomenal year and he's played through some injuries that you know they obviously aren't announced. And uh, for me, I just can't tell you how proud I have him am of him because I mean he. He's had some tough battles with some injuries and he keeps out there. He's like, you know, he doesn't, doesn't want to miss a game. And I mean, he continually gives us, you know, performances on the back end that are so important. We needed more offense from our back end. That was one of the things we felt as a group we lacked last year. Well, we've definitely got that this year with him and Tyson Galloway and Carter Yakumchuk. And uh, I think that uh, those are, it's nice to bring some offense from the back end.
1: And I imagine you've got to be just as, as proud of a guy like Oliver Tulk now, second year in the WHL, played in 63 games last year but you know still getting used to the league and how the pace of the WHL is he looks like he's really figured it out this year and all of a sudden you look at it and he's your second leading scorer Jeff Oliver really feels like he's taking a big step in his game as well
3: And that's what happens, you know. From it's a big jump from uh, you know fifteen to sixteen, and we forget a lot of those fifteen-year-olds didn't play hockey that year due to COVID, so uh, or very little hockey. So you know they hadn't played hockey in a long time or meaningful hockey. So they come in, and I mean it's an adjustment playing in the Western Hockey League is tough at any age, let alone a sixteen-year-old. And uh, you know I think Oliver and David Adizinski both had good years last year, all things considered, on a team that didn't score very very easily. And uh, Oliver again has taken it to another level this year he's almost a point of game player. Uh David Adazinski has started to take his game up to where we think it is. He's been he battled some injuries in November on our West Coast trip and was a little slow out of the gate for his liking, but he's starting to pick up. I mean, we really like our, you know, we like our whole team, but I mean, our 5 age group with those two players and, you know, Carter Yakim, Chuck, and there's more. I'm just using 3 as an example mm-hmm. that, you know, there's some good. It's a good nucleus to build around and we've got some real good players. In that 05, 06 age group, 04, that uh, you know we we like where the direction we're
1: moving. I have to ask you about your captain, Riley Fiddler Schultz. To me, just a, a consummate professional already, and is you know as a young aged man, but he just he feels like he's taken that captaincy on his chest, Jeff, and really understood the meaning of that and what it means to be a, a consistent player in this league and set that example for his younger teammates. Uh, give me a, your view of what you've seen from Riley Fiddler Schultz this year
3: well I think I couldn't say it any better than you did Logan I mean he's a five year hitman you know he came in at 16 so he knows what it was like he's had some good leaders obviously starting with Mark Castlick. you will not get a better leader than Mark Castlick, Dakota Krebs uh, you know his first year in the league and I mean you, you bring that as a start <clears throat> and then you bring you know Jackson Vandalese and some other players that we've had Cale Zimmerman he's had an opportunity to learn from some real good players during his career here and uh, you know you always hope that's the case and obviously he adds his own little a you know, leadership ability in from being here, what type of person he is, and I think he's been great for not only the older players, but the younger players, and he's a good conduit to the coaching staff as well.
1: Uh, just a few more with you, Jeff. Jeff Schnell, the Hitman General Manager, joining us down the Atlas Peace and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon, the Calgary Hittman back in action Friday at the Scotiabank Dome. We've talked a bit about special teams, and, you know, it's been an up-and-down season when it comes to the power play, Jeff, but the penalty kill has remained near the top of the Western Hockey League this entire season where do you put credit to that is that a lot from the coaching staff and preparation is it the players understanding their roles on the PK it's been a strength of your team all season long
3: I think it's a combination of all three. I think that you look at the coaches; they draw up the, you know, they they, pick, they get the best players that they think can kill penalties, and obviously they've done a good job of picking those players. Uh, you look at the these players of our team are now a year older, a year more experienced in the Western Hockey League, uh, and most importantly, goaltending. Both our goaltenders have had excellent first halves of the year. Our goals against is in the top eight in the Western Hockey League. Uh, that's a credit to Ethan Bonaventura and and your and Braden Peters. And I mean, there's Good, goal, good penalty killing starts with good goaltending. And, I mean, we've been very fortunate to have that throughout the first 37 games of the year.
1: Uh, last one for you, Jeff. We talked last year about how the second half of the season didn't go the way that your team wanted it. You've now got four straight here in Calgary, three at the Dome, one at uh, 7G Sportsplex uh, at Satina. How important is it the next 10 days or so for your team to make some ground here at home and make sure the second half of the season starts the right way?
3: it's huge our our home record has to improve you know again our road records in the top uh, half of the western hockey league we've played 22 of our 34 road games already we've really only got one trip out east now a double header in winnipeg and a single in brandon in february the rest are more or less single trips and <clears throat> you know so we have got a lot of home games left uh it just worked out that way there wasn't a plan but i think it's important for us to take that same mentality we play as a group on the road we have to bring it to the saddle no and the seven chiefs because you know you we we have an opportunity to get home ice advantage in the first round of the playoffs there's a lot of hockey before the end of march but uh, we do we control a lot of that in the sense that we are playing the majority of our games at home
1: uh jeff really appreciate the time thanks so much for doing this i know it was a busy week for you uh your group's back in action on friday best of luck in the second half of the season starting on friday we'll see you then
3: Thank you so much, Logan.
1: Take care. Jeff Chanel, the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen, joining us this afternoon down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. They're coming off a 6-2 loss to Regina on Sunday. Back at it. Two games at the Scotiabank Sandal Dome this weekend. Friday, they welcome in Swift Current. Sunday, they'll take on the Lethbridge Hurricanes. 7 o'clock puck drop on Friday four o'clock puck drop on sunday and as i mentioned there that's part of four straight home games for the calgary hitman they'll be at seven chief sportsplex uh next wednesday against zach funk and prince george and then brandon is in town on friday january 20th the calgary hitman with a great record so far this season they're fifth in the eastern conference second in the central division 37 games in they've got 21 wins 12 losses, three of them uh, in OT and one in a shootout. So good for 46 points. They are at a 622 winning percentage. That's a good spot for a Hitman team that uh, didn't make uh, as much noise last year in the second half as they wanted to. We'll see if they can do so again in the second half this year starting on Friday. Thank you uh, to Cassandra and the Calgary Hitman for setting that uh, interview up with us. Really appreciate the time from the Calgary Hitman General Manager. Uh, before we head out uh, and hand things over to Hockey Central 960, uh, I did want to get you some more audio from St. Louis last night. He made his season debut just under 13 minutes of ice time, three hits, and one shot on goal for Walker Dewar. He was on the line with Adam Rzyczka and Trevor Lewis. He talked to our Pat Steinberg following the uh, Flames and the Blues on Flames Talk and uh, talked about his uh, NHL season debut in St. Louis here's Walker Dewar with Pat last night on Flamestock post-game show
4: Walker first of all I, I guess just take us through this game this evening and and what you saw out there as your group was able to come away with the single point
5: um yeah you know I thought we uh battled great for the first 40 there and I'm um, able to get a lead there on them and then uh just kind of took our foot off the gas and started the third there and um they capitalized and we got our push back there at the end of the third and then just ultimately couldn't get it done in overtime
4: walker how did you feel in your first nhl game in a little while i guess it had been more than a year since you would gotten into a game in the nhl how'd you feel out there tonight
5: um yeah i thought i felt pretty comfortable um from the start uh playing with louie and rosie just trying to play a simple game get pucks behind them and be good on the four check and um yeah, it's just uh, obviously a learning curve there and things I want to get better at, but, uh, yeah, I felt pretty comfortable. That uh, that line, tell us
4: about playing with Trevor Lewis, a, a good, reliable veteran, and also Adam Rzyczka. Tell us about playing with those two.
5: Yeah, there's a lot to learn from both, so I'm kind of on different ends of the spectrum, right? Uh, Rosie just kind of breaking into the league uh, from last year and, and just kind of telling me what he did to be successful and to stick here. And then on the other end, you got Louie who's been doing it for uh, more years than I know. And, um, yeah, just kind of watching him on a day-to-day basis and picking up anything I can from him is, uh, obviously beneficial to myself.
4: Walker. I know that uh, the result wasn't what you wanted, but, uh, I know the family, we saw them plenty of times on the screen tonight. The family gets to come in from South Dakota and see you play. Just how, how special was tonight for you?
5: Um, yeah, really special, uh, during, after the first admission, there, I got to see them on the screen there. So, um, yeah, uh, they didn't get to be there for the debut last year. So, uh, uh, when i got the nod yesterday they were pretty pumped to make the drive up
4: walker uh, congratulations on making your season debut thank you so much for doing this and good luck thursday again against the blues
5: appreciate it thank you
1: there you go walker doer joining pat on the flames talk post game show uh exclusive interviews like that uh only available live following flames games or on the flames talk podcast feed wherever you get your podcast google amazon spotify or your favorite pod Catcher. That'll do it for uh, our show today. That's it for Sportsnet today, this afternoon. Thank you so much to Jeff Chanel, the general manager of the Calgary Hitmen. Peter Klein, yes, primetime, back on the Sportsnet 960 airwaves, uh, joining me as well. An hour or two, Peter Labardi has kicked things off uh, on our Flames and Blues discussion. We'll be back tomorrow, uh, Thursday, game day for the Calgary Flames. Back at it again against those St. Louis Blues. Another 6 p.m. puck drop. 5 p.m. warm-up with Steinberg and Labardius. we will get out of here. Get out of the way for Haley Salvian, Hockey Central 960. A little Pat chat coming up with Pat and Haley. Uh, you don't want to miss it. Haley's fantastic. She's got you for the next hour before we hand things over to the Hockey PDO cast and Flames Talk this afternoon. Thanks for tuning in. Always appreciate it. Back tomorrow on a Flames game day here on Sportsnet 960, The Fan.